I, I read something in the first service. I'm not going to read it. It's just quite long. Uh, I'm going to put it. I'm going to have Dallas put it up on the uh, the church app. If you haven't gotten the church app yet, you need to get that because we put stuff up there, the men's study and different things like that. You can read it on your phone or your laptop or whatever iPad. It's a it's a long thing from uh, an intro to the book called The Everlasting Man by uh, G.K. Chesterton is his name. And uh, he was talking about God in the cave, Jesus, and uh, he lays it all down there at the end. And basically he comes to the end of it and he says, listen, there's some things that happen at Bethlehem that you just can't explain. Uh, you'll never, uh, as smart as you might think you are, there's some things there that took place that is beyond explanation. Uh, and that's what we're looking at uh, today. And again, we'll, D- Daniel put all the notes up on there. Uh, we're looking at the actual the story from Matthew chapter 2. <coughs> and I'm uh, just going to make a few comments because what we see in this short version of Jesus' birth, the people that were present, Herod, uh, the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, and the Magi, how their response to Jesus' birth is exactly the only options that most of us make today. Sitting in this room, you're going to you're going to be one of those. You're going to be Herod. You're going to be the religious leaders, or you're going to be the Magi. You're going to be Herod, who says, "I don't want Jesus to do anything in my life. I'm in control," you know. And you do everything you can to get him away from you. The religious leaders, you know a lot of stuff, but you're so indifferent, you don't ever want it to affect your life. So you don't go out of your way in any way for Jesus to control your life. Or then you're like the Magi who fall down and worship him. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to look at quickly. You say, well, I've heard that story. I know you have. I've never actually spoke about it in harmony, uh, these verses before. Uh, we talk about Christmas, uh, but today we are. We're going to look at these verses in Matthew chapter 2. It says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in, Ju- in Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod, (coughs) the king, heard it, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ should be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written through the prophet, Micah chapter 5. And thou Bethlehem, land of Judah, are in no wise least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come forth a governor, who shall be shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod privately called the wise men and learned of them exactly what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search out exactly concerning the young child, and when you have found him, Bring me word. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search out exactly and bring me word, that I also may come and worship him. And they, having heard the king, went their way, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Uh, by the time verse 11 happens, several months have passed, and he's not a baby baby anymore. Uh, we know that. But that's why you see it. They came to the house. They're not in the cave anymore. They're not where he was born. They've moved out of that, and they've gone to a little bit better facility. That's, what, that's why you see it that way. 
And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed unto their own country another way. So that's what we have. We have the same basic response. Everybody will respond one of these ways. You respond like Herod, you respond like religious leaders, or you respond like the Magi. No other options. It covers everybody. It, it did then, has today, will continue until all of it is over. So where do you fit? That's, that's the question. Are you wise or are you a fool? You know, um, you know, uh, fools do foolish things, right? That's why we call them fools, right? You say, well, the Bible doesn't say call them a fool. Uh, you have to understand a little bit about what that word means. Uh, we had a, matter of fact, he's distantly related to me. I'm going to call him Otis. Because I've learned that some people back home listen to, listen to me on the Internet. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. Anyway, so I have to be real careful because I don't want to. He's dead now. Uh, but uh, somebody might know what I'm talking about. But they know it's true. And my brother-in-law pretty much came up with this uh, understanding of our gentleman neighbor. He says, as a general rule, Otis is a fool. And basically, that's right. Everything that he did and a lot of what he said was just, as my daddy would say, fool talk. You know, my, daddy, my dad was pretty wise. And he only had a fifth grade education. But he, we'd get around people, and they'd get talking all this crazy stuff. He said, let's go. I don't want to hear all that fool talk. And that's exactly right. And that's what I'm asking you. Are you wise or are you a fool? Out of those three people, only one group of those people were wise, the Magi. Herod wasn't. He was a fool. And the religious leaders, they were fools. You know what the Scripture says, right, in Psalms 119? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, I, I don't care how many educations you have, without Christ helping you understand how to use that knowledge wisely, You'll act like a fool, you know. It's just one of those things. Uh, and that's why I'm asking you today, where are you? I hope by the time you leave, you'll re reassess kind of where you are and really get to the heart of it and say, am I been doing this? Have I been doing this? Am I really here? Am I really here? Or, or have I fooled myself? Because we're, we're pretty good at fooling ourselves, right? We talk ourselves into kind of what we think is all right because we don't want to pay the price to do really what is all right. And that's where we go, all right? These passages we deal with tell us that. It shows us. There's Herods, there's religious leaders, and there's the Magi in their response to Jesus' birth. Then, through history and now, you're going to be one of those. Every one of us, we're going to do one of those. That's exactly what happens. We can see those examples. Herod, some are hostile. Well, I ain't want him ruling my life. He's not going to tell me where to work. He's not going to tell me where to date. He's not going to tell me how to spend my money. He's not I'm in control. That's who Herod was. You know, he was a maniac. We're going to see why he responded the way he did was he was a psychological maniac. He was so centered on power and control, he would have nothing that would interfere with him controlling. People, we're that way, aren't we? Well, yeah, I love Jesus, but he ain't going to have that part of my life. So you're a Herod. That's exactly what it is. The priests and the scribes and they knew. A lot of us know a lot of stuff about Jesus, but we're so indifferent. They wouldn't even travel five miles from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem when people came from the east because they said, here is the king. They knew that he was supposed to be there. They tell him, this is where he's coming from. This is where he's going to be. They're so indifferent. They don't really care. There's a lot of church people 
that don't care. Oh, they know a lot of stuff, and they go to church, but they don't, they're so indifferent, they don't really care that Jesus is going to affect their, affect their life any, so they don't even take the time to be involved in it. Or then you have the Magi, who go to great lengths to truly worship. You know, one of these days, I think I'm going to uh, preach a, a long series on what worship really is. I don't think we really understand what it really is. Uh, a lot of times we think, oh, well, man, we worship today, and all we do is sing. That can be a form of worship. That, that's not real worship. Uh, but they worshiped in the price they paid. Now, let's hurry up, all right? <clears throat> what category are you in? Are you sure? Are you fooling yourself? <laughs> what, did, what did Jeremiah say? Our heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We will fool ourselves if we don't have someone around us trying to say, oh, Wait a minute, Terry. Fire's about to run off over here, brother. You need to do something. Bethlehem. That's where it started, right? That's what it says. It says, was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Bethlehem was a, a no-name place. You know, it's five miles outside of Jerusalem, but it, it was really a no-name place then. But it has a lot of history. You know, you go back in the Old Testament, you'll, you'll see several things there. Uh, Jacob buried Rachel there. Uh, that's where uh, Ruth when you look at Ruth who married Boaz, she was from there. You'll see David, the great king. That's how it became. It's known as the city of the great king, Bethlehem, because that's where he was from. So it has a lot of history. But at the time Jesus shows up, it really is, there's not much to it. You know the joke that they say. <laughs> Can there much come out of Nazareth? You know, it was like a, a, a no-name place. Nothing's ever happened there. Nothing's going to happen there. It's nothing. And basically, that's what Bethlehem was. And then we come in, it says, in the days of Herod. <laughs> I don't know if you know your history or remember your history. Whew. Herod was, he's about like some of our presidents. When you look at what they do for themselves, that's who he was. I mean, uh, what, he, what he was, you know, when, when Rome would take over a section, they would put someone in control of that section, give them some authority, uh, and say, okay, here you go, whatever you kind of get, you're control of it. And that's what they did. Uh, he was an Edomite, which comes from the tribe of Esau, Esau Jacob in the Old Testament. His dad, Anthabur, was a leader, and they had him in a place of overseeing a particular area of Palestine. And then they took Herod, his son, and put him over Galilee. So he's kind of like the governor or the procurator, or whatever you want to call it. And so he, you know... One of the things we might miss is quite some time back, maybe 40, uh, 47 B.C., a group of the people from Magi came from Persia, Medes and the Persians, which is Iran uh, today. They had come over there and almost kind of caused a, like a civil war. So Herod had to put that down and kind of squash it. So now you hear that, these people are coming back over there looking for a ruler, and you're the ruler. And you already killed your wife, and you already killed some of your own children because you, have, you see them as a threat to control you. He was a maniac, all right? So whenever it says he was troubled, now you know a little bit why he was troubled. He doesn't want anyone telling him what to do. He's the man, and that's the way we are. We don't want our moms and dads. We don't want our spouses to help us. We don't want anybody telling us what we need to do. We make our own decisions. You're a Herod. We're Herods. 
You say, well, I'm committed to Jesus, but you don't want Jesus controlling you. Hello? That's who he was. You know, he was, uh, he was in, you know, he's raised there. He knows, he knows a lot about Jewish religion. He knows about sacrifices. Uh, he knows. But, boy, he's against it. He said, we got we to gotta do away with this guy because he's a king. I'm the king. I don't want anybody to come on over there. And that's exactly who that was. In 40 B.C., that's exactly when this took place. When there was that uprising and he squashed it down. And so when this starts to come back up, you can see why he gets anxious. Well, wait a minute. What's going on here? And that's exactly what took place. He goes and gets him a little army. And the Senate gives him some soldiers. Says, whatever you can take and can control there, you're the king over it. So he became known as the king of the Jews. Herod was. He did a lot of good things. You know, he started the, the temple for them. He, he did a lot of welfare stuff. He did a lot of good things. But he was a psychological maniac if you challenged him. You know, there's a lot of people that do a lot of good things, but they're fools because they don't want Jesus telling them what to do. Most of us don't want Jesus telling us what to do. It's a big deal to submit your will to his authority, not Herod. And that's what they told him. Go do whatever you can and you can have it. So that's exactly what's going on. So the Magi are coming from the area of where some of the people who had challenged him were. Would that make you nervous? You know, Matthew is the only one that gives us any biblical insight about that. We have some extra biblical literature that helps us understand who the Magi were. You know, we see them as coming as three kings from Orient, right? The Bible does never say, nobody ever tells us how many there were, you know. But it's always three, right? Why? Because one brought frankincense, one brought myrrh, <laughs> one brought gold. So it only had to be three. No. No, that probably wasn't true. And they did not come by themselves. There would have been a whole entourage, military too. We're talking about a big deal. So when all that group shows up, Herod's thinking, what's going on? This is who they were. And Matthew's the one that gives us some details about it from a biblical perspective, right? They were primarily known as a priestly political class with a lot of clout. Daniel has something to do with it. In the book of Daniel, he talks about uh, the, you know, they couldn't interpret the dreams, and when Daniel could, how they recognized him. They were astrologers and uh, astronomers. That's who they were. And they were known by some people as the kingmakers. You know what I meant? If these guys supported you, you were in. They had that kind of authority. They were wise, and they were called wise men. Because of all the things that they were wise in. And that's who it was. So they show up. And they come from a long ways off. You know, they come from Persia. Now, you remember the history? The Medes and the Persians, when they overtook and Babylon, whenever they took the Jews and some of them, Daniel is shipped off and he stays there for, what, 80 years? And he's a wise man. So we're going to see things that happen here. Absolutely, God used the influence of Daniel and the Jews. So when this comes about, they know where to go look for it. You know, God said, he showed them a sign. They go where? To Jerusalem. They don't go straight to Bethlehem because they need to know where exactly. But they know from Daniel and they know from the Jews that have been living in that land. When the king comes out of the Jews, he's going to come from Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where the kings of Jeru Jews rule. When you start thinking about that, that's exactly what's going on. So that's who these guys are. I mean, they're sharp. They appear in history about, what, the 7th century? 
because the Medes and the Persians out of Mesopotamia. <coughs> they are very, very skilled, and they are, they, they are wise in a lot of areas, so they're respected. So when they show up and say, hey, we're looking for a king, they're the kingmakers. And Herod is afraid. That's why we're going to see in just a moment. It says, and he's afraid, and all of Jerusalem with him. Why was Jerusalem there? Because of their combined knowledge of science, agriculture, and all those things, they, had, they were very influential. That's who they were. And they show up. <clears throat> okay? We have to hurry, all right? A lot of political influence and uh, uh, religious influence. And a lot of it came from Daniel. Go back and read Daniel, and you can see that's what it's talking about. Some of the things. The Roman historians, several of them, this is what they said. This was the mindset of everyone at that point in time when Christ comes on the scene. Look what this historian says, Roman historian. He says, what? Talking about the time when Jesus came. There had spread over all the Orient an old and established belief that it was fated at the time for men coming from Judah to rule the world. Rome's looking for the golden era at that same time. Tacitus says the very same thing. He says, there was a firm persuasion that at this very time, the East was to grow powerful. And rulers coming from Judea were to acquire a universal empire. All of Rome's aware of something's going on. The Magi see it. Uh, it's amazing. Well, isn't that amazing? The Magi see it, and God's own religious leaders don't. That's a strange thing, isn't it? It's the same thing. Two people raised as children in the same house. They both have the same religious affiliation all their life. They've taught about Christ. They've learned about all. One of them is a follower and one of them is an atheist. Explain that one. Some see it, some don't. The Magi saw it. Josephus, a Jewish historian, not a believer. It in his Jewish wars, he says, at about the time of Christ's birth, the Jews believed that one from their country would soon become ruler of the Habatter, of earth, where men are. Boy, but that's an indictment against them today. Did it say, even they said, oh yeah, the Messiah's coming. That's what they tell him whenever Herod inquires. We're not told exactly how God revealed to the Magi, other than he gave them a star, but something... God arrested their attention, and that's what God does through, through the elements that he created. That's what Romans says. From what he created and our conscience, he gives us enough to respond to. And then as we respond to that, he gives us more. Because you cannot be saved by worshiping a tree. The, the tree doesn't tell you that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. It arrests your attention. Someone has to tell you the specifics. They had a general sense. They responded to it. God sent them more light, and then he sent them more light whenever they left Jerusalem to go to Bethlehem. Specific. Why? Because they responded to the first part. Have you responded? A lot of us know a whole lot more than we do. We know a whole lot more than we act on. They knew, even though they had not had what the religious leaders in Jerusalem tell them, they didn't have all that, and yet they responded to what they got. You know, it's crazy, isn't it? They were the seekers because when God spoke, and however he spoke to them to start with, they responded. How did you first respond? You know, 
What was that first time God got your attention? Did you respond? Did you wait a long time? Have you responded yet? You know, you need to be careful because once he starts speaking, there can come a time where you don't hear it anymore. And then you're done. And you won't get another chance. That's what Isaiah said. The day is a day of salvation. You can't say, well, I can just be saved anytime. Not necessarily. You can cut it off. Where God quits dealing with you, boy, and you're done. They responded. They responded. They said, hey, we're going to go toward it. That's what it is. Though having a limited spiritual light, they responded to what they received. And here we go. It's amazing how God does that. They had seeking hearts. That's exactly what the scripture says, right? And you shall seek me and find me when you want to find me. There's a lot of church people, they don't want to find Jesus in that regard. They want to be like Herod. They said, oh, he ain't telling me what to do. He ain't telling me how to spend my money. He ain't telling me who I need to be in a relationship with or who I shouldn't be in a relationship with. Oh, no, no, no. I'm Herod. I'm going to take care of myself. But we love Jesus, right? (laughs) And you shall seek me and find me. Why? They responded. God showed it to them. Based on information from Daniel, absolutely, I believe, that's some of the way they knew it. He was there 70 years at least, and he worshiped God all the time. He was the one who interpreted dreams when they could not. And they were the ones who were supposed to be involved in every part you could talk about. They were the interpreters of dreams, and they couldn't do it. And Daniel could. You think they respected him? You better know it. Did they, did they worship God? Remember with some of the decrees that Darius and him made after that? Oh, yeah, they knew. They knew some of these prophecies. When the, when the king comes, this is where he's going to be. That's why they go to Jerusalem. They know that. That is where God points them with uh, his Shekinah glory. I think that's what that was. Let's go there quickly, all right? Well, what was that star? (laughs) I don't know if you even believe some of the ideas of what that star was. You know, it's kind of like in the Old Testament. They said, you know what? Some of the liberals say the burning bush wasn't Moses. There was a a natural gas under that bush and just caught a fire. They say about the star, oh, it was a meteorite. No, it was Jupiter and Saturn when they got together. Oh, it really wasn't anything. It was just that psychological thing in somebody's mind. (laughs) No, it wasn't. Look at this. They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came on them, and the glory of the Lord Shown around about them. What's the glory of the Lord? The Shekinah glory. Shekinah glory that was over the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Whenever they moved around, remember? It was a fire by night and a light by day. And they followed it. It was God's glory. That's what the light was. It was not a meteor. They can't find some way to God by uh, astronomy. Oh, God's bigger than that. That's exactly what it was. Now, what was the thing? It was God's glory. Man, we see it all over the place. You go back to the Old Testament. You look at that, how it would come, that it was always manifested in a light. That's how it was. Absolutely, I'm convinced. That's what it was. That's exactly what it was. You see it in the Old Testament. You saw it whenever they're crossing the Red Sea, how the people of Israel saw the light, but on the dark side, for the uh, Egyptians, it was dark. Even though it was light on one side and dark on one side. Same thing. That's exactly what it was. Whenever the glory of God descended on the tabernacle, it was a light. 
And it's amazing because the word here for that is lightning light, blazing light, not a candle light. I mean, you can't miss it. That's exactly what his glory was. That's what it was. When Jesus revealed who he was and revealed his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, he pulled back his flesh and they beheld what? The light. God's light. His light. The Shekinah glory. That transparent light. Look at this in Numbers. Back in the Old Testament. It's a messianic prophecy in the Old Testament. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not near. There shall come a star. It's the same word. A blazing light. A lightning. Out of Jacob. Israel. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Wow. The Jews knew it. They just were indifferent. We knew a lot of stuff we don't care about. Oh, well, I'm not going down to Bethlehem. I know Jesus wants me to do that. I'm not going to do that. We're indifferent. Oh, we're committed to Jesus. We just don't care. Isn't that right? Oh, I love Jesus, but church is not important. Then why in the world did Jesus make it? Why did Jesus create the church? Why? Because you and I need one another. And we need to show up. Because we need one another when our life is falling apart and things are going on. That's the reason for it. That's why he made it. It's not going to save you, but boy, we need it. That's exactly what it was. Why did they have to tabernacle? It was necessary for the time. We have seen his shining. You can translate it that way. His star. In the east, we have seen the blazing glory. God used his Shekinah glory to guide them. He said, you need to go to Jerusalem, then I'll show you from there. And that's exactly what he does. When they saw something they had never seen before. They've been studying astronomy. We're great astronomers. We're in, uh, uh, what you call that stuff? With the, I just lost it. The 12 months in your astrology stuff. What do you call that? What? Horoscope. <laughs> Can you believe that? I had an uncle. He said, oh, well, I wouldn't even leave my house unless I read my horoscope. I looked at him. I said, what? Oh, yeah, I'm going to make my decisions. I said, you're kidding, right? He's smarter than that. That's fools. You one of those? Well, I believe in that. That's a bunch of malarkey. That's what that is. That is straight out of hell. You know, that's an occult to the max. Anyway, they saw something. Oh, we've never seen this before. We've been studying the stars, and we know all these things are going on out there. But this is not like that. This is so different. It's the kind of glory of God guiding them. And they tied it together, what? From what Daniel had been teaching and what the Jews had lived in those lands had been talking about. There's a king coming, and he's coming out of Jerusalem. So they go. He said, we know it's over there. That's where we're going. You know, he didn't just give them the address to Bethlehem, right? He said, you go to Jerusalem, and then I'll show you from there. And that's exactly what he did. Why do you think they inquired? And, you know, the word is a, a present active means they continued asking. They just went everywhere and said, where is this king? Where is this king? And, and can, can you imagine they would be bothered that nobody else seemed to be concerned? The own Jewish people should have known this, had seen it, and they, they didn't care. They kept asking. They kept asking. They were so excited. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> and the rest of us are sitting around saying, where's what? Jesus? What? What are you talking about? It's kind of how we live, right? 
Nothing from astrology is going to tell them that and teach them that. God shows up, and that's exactly what he does, and he still does it that way. How is it that only the wise men in Persia saw it? Because they were looking for it. How is it you find Jesus because you're looking for him? Jesus finds you, absolutely, but you've got to respond. If you don't respond, then you're Herod or the religious leader. You just don't really care. Or you say, absolutely, I don't have anything to do with him because he's going to try to tell me what to do. <laughs> We're not told what, if anything, that the Magi told Herod. The only, they didn't know how wicked he was. You know, they didn't know what his intent was. So they went on to Bethlehem. They knew where to find the one they'd come to worship. Why? Because God showed up again with his Shekinah glory. After they said, oh, yes, in Bethlehem, then God showed them another light. And guess where it was? Right over the cave. That's where it was. So it gave them more specific directions to Jesus when the time was right. You respond to this, God give you more light. You know how that works, right? You ever been in a, a piece of woods that you don't know very well, hunting, and it gets close to dark, or gets dark? And uh, a lot of times we didn't have flashlights. And I didn't really like that because you don't know your way out. So if it ever happens and you know that somewhere that you'd passed was an uh, opening, and as you go toward that opening, even when it's dark, you see what? Light. So why would you go toward a light? Well, I know something's out there where the light is. That's the same thing. When you respond to the light, God gives you more light. If you don't respond to the light, he doesn't give you more light, and you stay in darkness. In damnation. And it ends to a very, very dark place in the very end. He's careful to say what? They worship Jesus. Not Mary. They didn't worship Mary. That's what it says. And they worship him. Not his mom. Man, everybody's guilty. Catholics, Baptists, everybody's guilty of worshiping something that is not Jesus. We worship church, we worship preachers, we worship stuff has nothing to do with Jesus. They worshiped him, not Mary, not Joseph, not the stable. <laughs> you know, people, it's amazing what people make shrines out of, ain't it? Make a shrine out of the stable. Why? Oh, because he was here. He's gone, though. Oh, yeah, but, oh, it's holy, is it? If he's not there, it ain't holy. Right? We got to hurry. Y'all are slow today. Why? You know the three things they brought? Frankincense was very expensive. You didn't just throw that around, okay? You mix it with some things in the Old Testament for special uh, sacrifices as to what it was, what it was for. Myrrh was used for several things. A lot to do with embalming. Uh, Jesus... They used myrrh in a mix with some other stuff when Jesus was uh, embalmed. And gold. Uh, I think myself, that's probably what, when they need to leave and go to Egypt, they need something to finance it, and that's what they used. But every one of these would uh, show you something to do with his very life, kind of a picture of it, you might say. Gold for his royalty, frankincense for his deity, and myrrh for his humanity. One of those uh, kind of aimed at each one of those aspects of his life. God told him in a dream, don't go back to Herod. That's all it says. You know, can God speak in a dream? He can. As long as you make sure that you kind of weigh that thing. You know, God's not going to tell you to do something foolish in a dream. 
You know, he's not going to tell you to leave your family in a dream. He's not going to tell you to become a drug addict in a dream. He's not going to tell you something stupid in a dream. Well, God told me in a dream, but does it go in line with what the Scripture says? You can always weigh it, right? So be careful. Well, God showed me in a dream. Tell me about that dream. What were you drinking last night? What were you eating yesterday? Huh? Come on. Let's be honest. You've got to weigh it. You've got to analyze it. Harry gets nervous. Why? Because we already talked about why he was nervous. Wait a minute. These guys are coming back? What, and they're coming with all these things? What's going to happen here? So it, that's exactly what he does. He gets nervous. And it says, and he was troubled. I bet he was. He was paranoid to the max. Afraid everybody's out to get him. And here's the same guy that he's put down. He's coming back, and they got all these people around him. And they, he knows they're kingmakers. What, what's going on here? They're looking for a king. I'm the king. Somebody going to take my place? But look at it. It says, and all of Jerusalem with him. Why? Uh-oh. We know what this maniac is going to do. We've already seen it by experience. He'll kill all these people and these people and his own wife and his own children. Why? Because they're going to challenge his uh, king's face. So they're scared to death. What's going to happen? And what did happen? He came back and killed every boy, two years, uh, every child two years and under to make sure he got uh, this king. That was, that's how paranoid he was. I mean, he was a fool. He's very smart. But, you know, a lot of people are diabolical that are smart. And are evil. He did a lot of good things. You know, he, he, he started the temple that wasn't finished till after he died for the Jews. He did a lot of welfare stuff, but he was a maniac. I mean, he was. They were scared. That's why it says, and all of Jerusalem with him. <laughs> is there, does anybody ever get scared of you? Because you follow Jesus? Oh, yeah, you just don't know this. You know what? They just labeled uh, uh, our... Speaker of the House, right? I forgot what crazy fool man that was that said it. They said, oh, we have a Christian nationalist. He is worse than Hamas. It was on the headlines. Y'all see it? What was that fool's name? He was a fool. I said, you got to be kidding me. They don't understand one clue. I mean, they don't have a clue. What, how do people see us? You know, if we profess to be Jesus followers and they know that, do they get afraid of us because we act like fools? Because we act like Herod? Or we act like the religious leaders and we don't act wise? Even though we have the ability to be wise because we have God's word. How, how is it? How do they see us? What happens with that? And begin to acquire them. Where is this Christ? Isn't that, a, isn't that an indictment? The Jews said, oh yeah, this is where he's going to be born. And you don't see any evidence where they all ran down there to worship him. The religious leaders, oh yeah, Micah said he's going to be born down in Bethlehem. None of them go, doesn't tell us where they, they need them go down there. Indifferent. Oh, we know all this stuff. It doesn't affect our life. You know, oh yeah, I'm committed to Jesus, but it doesn't affect anything about how I live my life. Really? Huh. Magi says they worshiped him. They went down and fell at the feet and worshiped him. <laughs> it seems like that the Jews were more afraid of Herod than they were of God. Is that why we don't stand up for Jesus when we should? We're afraid of what people are going to say. We're afraid they're going to try to do to us what this crazy woke world has been doing. If, if you stand up for something that's right, they try to shut you down by destroying your business or destroying, taking all your advertising away from X because Elon Musk is still for free speech. You know, that's what they're trying to do. Is that why we don't speak up? Oh, well, I don't, want, I don't want them to disassociate with me. You're probably better off than having some of them around you, if that's the way they think. I mean, is that why? Are we afraid? 
Or we're more afraid of the world than we are of God. That's why we shrink back and don't do anything. It's kind of funny, isn't it? It's an indictment against them and us. Why? Who are you afraid of? What did Jesus say? You need to be worried about not somebody who can kill you, but somebody who can kill you eternally. Destroy you in a damnation. Well, you're not destroyed. You're going to live forever in damnation. He said, you don't need to be worried about somebody just because they can kill your body. You need to worry about somebody who can destroy your soul where you'll be confined in the condemnation for eternity. He said, that's who you need to be worried about. Who are we worried about? It seems like they were more worried about Herod than they were God. So they said, man, we're troubled because this fanatic. We're going we're gonna to go with Herod. We're not going to let anybody know that we're with it. Why were they troubled? Because of that. Why are we so troubled? Why do we get so nervous? Why do we get so upset? Is God not in control? Oh, yeah, he is. We say he is. We just don't act like it. Right? Well, I got to do this. <laughs> so he called him and said, this is what it's going to be. When did this star show up? He couldn't pinpoint it, so he said, kill them all around from this year down. To, we'll cover it. And that's what happened. History shows us. We're one of them. Herod, religious leaders, or the Magi. Let's be honest. Where are we? Uh, don't play games. Uh, we, don't, we don't know how long this thing's going to last, right? Especially with all the stuff that's going on in Israel right now. <laughs> well, that's a big warning sign. You know, you never know what's going to come. When, when that happens, because that's the center of the world, whatever happens over there will affect us. And it will affect eternity. So if you've never been sure, you better get sure. You better get your bag ready. Because you just don't know when the bus is coming. Well, number one, you need to make sure you're on the bus. Eh? Trusting Jesus gets you on the bus, not church membership, not baptism. You need, you need to be a part of a church fellowship, and you need to be baptized. But Jesus' blood is the only thing that gets you on the bus. You need to make sure you're on the bus. Because it is coming. It is coming. And sooner for some of us than others, right? Some of us got one foot in the grave and the other foot's on a banana peeler. You need to be ready. I need to be ready. Just because we're young doesn't mean we ain't going to die. Quicker, I mean, sooner. Anyway, thank the Lord God's in control. Amen? Thank the Lord you got a chance today. You can make sure of that today. If you don't know how to do that, somebody in here can help you understand from the Scripture. You trust Jesus, and Jesus takes care of that. If you're serious, you're not going to play any games, though. We play a lot of games in the name of Jesus, and he knows, sifts through them. He said, well, what? Well, we, we didn't. He said, no, I don't know who you are. Let's just be sure. <laughs> Let's don't take any chances. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can trust you with our life today and eternity. Father, we ask you to please convict us, bother us, until we settle that. Are we committed to you as Herod was? Are we committed to you as the religious leaders or as the Magi? Father, help us quit playing. Help us be serious for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.